Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Amazing to be together, First Assembly. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being in person. And we also want to welcome everybody joining us online today, wherever you're joining us from. We're so thankful you've taken the time to worship with us. And it's always an honor to, uh, to be with you. And as we're together to share a time in the word today, you know, I want to ask you, if you would be so kind, uh, just for a moment to stand with me. We want to pray, take a moment to pray for pastor cliff this morning. Uh, we've prayed for those who are sick and, and those who are in need, but as many of you would know, pastor cliff has been in the hospital now well over a week. Uh, the good news is, is he's stable and he even texted me between services and said, they just took him off antibiotics after we prayed in the first service. So that's, <laughs> so that's a quick, that's quick, that's quick movement. And so uh, we're, we're going to continue to pray for him for a full recovery. And I know there's others who are sick today as well. So uh, maybe you have loved ones or friends who are in hospital. And so let's pray and just pray in general that God would just break the power of sickness and disease over um, our city, over this time, over our province. And um, we're going to trust the Lord. He is still a healer today. And so maybe some of you have need of healing as well, emotionally or physically, um, in your body, mentally in your body. So let's, let's take a moment and let's, like I said earlier, let's storm heaven. Let's be the church. Let's lean in by faith. Uh, where two or three agree together in his name, it shall be done. So we stand on the promises of God's word in this moment. So let's pray together for pastor cliff and for, uh, for the Lord, just to break the power of sickness and disease in Jesus name. So father, we thank you now, Lord, that you are a healing God. We thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, we have been healed. It was accomplished on the cross. And we thank you, Lord, that even now, oh God, our dear pastor cliff, we love him so much. And God, we thank you that you have sustained him and helped him and healed him up until this point. But in the name of Jesus, we pray now, God, that you would raise him up. Lord, where he is right now, that you would flood that hospital room. You would fill that place with your presence. Oh God, that your resurrection power would touch him and flow, Lord, even now, God. We pray for the medicine and, Lord, the treatments that he's been on. Lord, to begin to align, that his immune system would regulate. And God, that you would heal him. That the resurrected king is now resurrecting Pastor Cliff in this moment. Touch his body. Be close to him now. Raise him up. We speak divine health and divine healing over him in Jesus' name. And Lord, let your healing power flow now, Lord, to every person in need in this congregation. God, let your healing power flow over this city and at this time. God, break the power of sickness and disease and death in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the answer to prayer. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give God... One more big shout of praise. Thank him. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you for taking that time to pray with us. And thanks so much, worship team, for your service this morning. Well, last week, church, I invited you to pull up a chair and sit around the family table with us as we considered together what it means to be a church family and some of the dynamics that happen around a family table. And very much like a regular family table, we are a church family. We talked about how there are things to celebrate and we're celebrating and we have 
celebrated what God has done over this summer. The family table represents a place where everybody's invited and everybody's welcome. Even people that are on the fringe of our family table as a church and even in our neighborhood and in our lives, that they are welcome and that God's heart beats for people to bring them to the family table. And then we talked about the provision that we find at the table, namely the table of the Lord, the Lord's table. And we shared a time of communion together. It was a beautiful week. And we're starting a new series today. And we're entitling this series, The Church Will Rise. The church will rise because it's time that the church rises. It's what God has on his heart, I believe, not only for us as a local church, but the larger church. There's no better time for us to step into everything that the Lord has for us as a church. It starts with us individually, but also there's a corporate calling as well. We're going to talk about that today and throughout this, this series. This title comes from a song that was written by our worship ministry. Uh, they brought it out a couple months ago and we began to sing it. We sang it this morning. Here are the lyrics I want us to look at. And we're going to be basing this series on, on some of the lyrics. This ly- these lyrics are a declaration and they're a prayer. And so we're praying and we're asking God that he would do such a work in us that we would rise in this dark time to be the church, to be salt, to be light, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so this is our prayer. Give us boldness like a child unafraid. That's what we need. We need Holy Spirit boldness. We're going to talk about that next week. Give us wisdom even when nations rage. Let the church arise with fire. Let your church arise. How many witness to that? That that's a prayer for today. And that's a prayer for where we are as a local church. And so we're going to ask the Lord and we're going to seek God over this series to do a fresh work in our lives. So as I mentioned, next Sunday, we're going to talk about boldness, asking God to answer that prayer, to make us bold. This morning, I want to take some time with you to talk about wisdom. We need wisdom. Each one of us as a church are called to rise up to be people of wisdom. In a culture of confusion and indiscretion, we are called to be people of wisdom. And I want to show you how through the power of the Holy Spirit that that God will enable us to be people that can make wise decisions in confusing times. That's for us. That's for you. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of challenge today with so much confusion, so much information and misinformation. But by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will help us to be wise people in confusing times. And so we're going to look at a number of scriptures today, but I think it will be good for us to start back in the book of Ephesians where we were last Sunday. And Ephesians chapter 1 is where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He had a great love for this church. He was instrumental in the origins of this congregation. He was there for several years teaching. He knew these people. He loved these people. This church was a church that had experienced and was moving and operating in the power of God. It was a larger center in a larger city. It was a city church. And the church in Ephesus 
had experienced the power of God in signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit was active in this church. It says on occasion that the Lord would do unusual things, unusual miracles were being performed where even Paul's aprons and handkerchiefs that he touched were touching other people and, and people were being supernaturally healed, set free. There was demonic strongholds being broken in this city. There was such a repentance that people took their occultic books and their magic books and the, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit burned them. This was a dynamic, fiery, Holy Spirit church. But the apostle Paul, he, at the same time as he was praying for them, he knew that as much as it was a dynamic church, this church had experienced great opposition in their culture, politically, morally, economically, this society was tied together around idol worship, namely the false goddess, obviously, Diana, who they worshiped. And everything was tied together, the money, the politics. Everything was around this culture of Ephesus, yet this church was planted and was strong in the middle of a confused and a broken and a a demonic culture. And as Paul is writing to them, he begins praying for them as he writes here on the, 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 the vista, as he lifts them up high, as he begins the book of Ephesians, he's, he wants to show them who they are, where they are seated with Christ. And as he prays for them, he is reminding them of the riches that they have received in Christ. Friends, I want to remind you this morning, you are rich in Christ. What he has done for you, what, what Jesus has established, where he has called you to be seated in the heavenly realms. You are rich and wealthy. Don't walk around like you are poor, broke, and have no power. He's reminding them. He's saying, you got to know who you are. You got to know that you are wealthy because of what Jesus has laid down for you. And so he is calling them and he's praying for them. And so he lifts them there. But in the middle of this perverse and confused culture, he, he's praying this prayer that I want us to look at today. And he's, he's asking God to give them wisdom, namely the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse 16, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you, watch this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a prayer. His longing for these people in the city church in the middle of brokenness and pain and and, and a culture around them that is following false gods and idols. He's saying, be strong. Remember who you are. And I pray that even though God is doing great things and that you've experienced charismatic things and miracles and all these great things, even though you are a strong church and a large city church, my prayer is that you would receive greater wisdom, that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Well, what is this spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. It is the Holy Spirit himself. Isaiah chapter 11 speaks of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit resting upon Jesus and his ministry prophetically way back in that ancient prophecy where the Spirit would rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is the Holy Spirit. 
that rests upon his people. This is the spirit of God that Paul is saying, I pray that you know the Holy Spirit. You, you've experienced the Holy Spirit. You've operated and seen miracles and things take place. There, there's some good things going on in the church, but I pray that the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord would rest upon your life. In other words, there's more for you than you're experiencing right now. Do you know that there's more of the Holy Spirit available for you? This is what Paul's saying. You know the Spirit. You, but there's more. There's wisdom and revelation. You see, when we are born again, the Holy Spirit, he resides within every believer. I want you to know this morning that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've committed your, your life to him. You've asked him to come into your life, forgive your sin. You are born again. The Bible says that you've become a new creation in Christ. All the old things are passed away and all things have become new. And the Holy Spirit then at that point, the Spirit of God, he comes and lives inside of you. You have an anointing that abides. He's in you. But Paul is saying he's in you, but there's more. For him to come upon you as the Holy Spirit came upon the ministry of Jesus, as the Holy Spirit came upon the early church in the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit comes upon and baptizes and fills and empowers us. And Paul, in his apostolic perspective, as he has obviously been seeking the Lord, as he writes this from a prison cell, as he is spending time, lots of time to pray when you're in prison, lots of time to seek the Lord, and he is experience something and he is experiencing something. He has experienced something. And it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is a dimension of the Holy Spirit that touches our own human spirit, that opens the eyes of our understanding, that enlightens us. It gives us God's perspective. It shows us God's point of view and gives us supernatural wisdom to be able to discern and to walk and to deal with what we are dealing with currently. That's his prayer for these people. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that's my prayer for us today. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would come upon us in a fresh way to give us discernment and wisdom. Supernaturally. And so the Apostle Paul then, he prays that the spirit that rested on Jesus would increase upon these disciples and in Ephesians chapter 5, he moves to some more practical instruction related to wisdom. He says in verse 15 of chapter 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he's calling them not only to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in their lives, a, a greater work of the spirit, but he's calling them practically here. In a couple of chapters later, he is saying, here's practically what I, I want for you to walk in wisdom, to be careful how you live, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live today in what we call the information age. How many know that there's lots of information available all the time? Right now in this room, I guarantee somebody is texting, somebody is Googling. So put your phone down right now and repent. <laughs> it's okay. I've Googled in church services too before, so don't worry about it. Sometimes I'm looking up what the preacher said to make sure that's a real story. 
But information is at our fingertips. Anything we want to know, we can be informed of right away. You just, what do you do? If you wonder about, hey, you know, that movie we just watched, that celebrity, how old is that person? Oh, they're 44? Oh, man, they're way older than me. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, do you ever do that? It's like, you know, Brad Pitt. He's like, he's always older than me. So I'm like, he looks pretty good still. You know, <laughs> so, so I Google his age. I'm like, oh, well, I could hit the gym. Um, you know, whatever it is, the restaurant we want to eat at or, or how we get somewhere, you know, the map, the Google map, whatever, whatever information we need is at our fingertips in this information age. When I was younger, way back in the day when I was dating my wife, it was before the internet. How many people remember life before the internet? Wasn't it great? <laughs> it's great too now in a cool way, but it was, and we used to, we, we, we dated before email. We couldn't even email each other. We wrote letters like Little House on the Prairie with candles and wax and dear my beloved one who, whom which I will be betrothed to. You know, like this is the kind of put it on a Pony Express. And I mean, it was like, it was way back in the day. We used to write handwritten letters to each other when we were dating. Now you just text and email and all this stuff. And if we wanted to know something, we would just wonder about things for weeks or maybe months before we'd find the answer. You know that moment you're driving in the car and you're just like, I wonder what the capital of Arkansas is. I don't know. Does anybody know? I'll give you a quarter if you know. <laughs> Somebody's Googling it right now. It's Montgomery, by the way. Um, <laughs> I wonder what the, you know, and we, we would just wonder, and you'd have to go to the library, and you'd have to get that, you know, that thing that, what was that called again? What was it called? It was like microfiche, yeah, microfiche. It was in the day of the laying on of transparencies in church, too. Um, overhead projectors, microfiche. But you'd have to go to the library, and you'd have to look up whatever you wanted to know, and then you'd, you'd figure it out. The day we live in today is the information age. The scripture tells us that before Jesus returns, that men will go to and fro. There's going to be a lot of travel and busyness. And prophetically in Daniel, it speaks of that. And that information, that knowledge will increase. Knowledge will increase in the last days. And an article it was released several years ago by industrytap.com. And it's a few years old now, but it, it stated this, that by the end of the World War II, that knowledge was doubling every 25 years. That's how much the, the common information knowledge on planet Earth. Every 25 years up to that point, knowledge was doubling. Today, on average, human knowledge is doubling every 12 months. And according to IBM, it will soon lead the doubling of knowledge every 12 hours. I think we're creeping closer to that now than we were when this article was written several years ago. I think knowledge is increasing at breakneck speed. Information is coming at us. There are more text messages that are sent out daily than the entire population of the planet. Here's the thing. We don't need more information. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge or data or info. Wisdom is knowing how to apply knowledge in a way that pleases God. That's what we need. 
That's what we need. So how then can we prepare? How, the, how can we be wise people who make wise decisions in these unclear and these perilous times? Well, it starts with this. Wisdom starts with God. Namely, the fear of the Lord. It starts with God. First of all, the wisest decision you will ever make starts with God. His name is Jesus. The wisest decision you will ever make is to surrender your life to his kingship, his rulership in your life. That you would humble yourself before God. Ask him to come and to forgive your sins and to cleanse you and to come and to live inside of you and to lead your life. Oh, he loves you so much. He's a good father. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. He will not leave you high and dry. He will change your life. He will make all the difference. His name is Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It starts with God. It starts, though, with the fear of the Lord. Because if you don't fear the Lord, you won't pay any attention to him. It's one of the main themes in the Bible. It's the starting point of becoming a wise person. It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not is, is, is the, where you get wisdom from. It's not the, you don't just get wisdom from education, although education's good. You may have a PhD. That's great. That's knowledge and education. You don't just get wisdom from that. You don't get wise necessarily by just being informed or having an IQ. You don't get wisdom just by experience. I've done this now for several decades. I'm very wise and I know. You can have all of that going for you, but you still need supernatural wisdom because wisdom, true wisdom, starts with God, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many. What a promise. And your years will be added to your life. You see, if you live your life in fear of the Lord, in reverence to God, in submitting to Him, you will have a good life. You will have a prosperous life. You will have the ability to make decisions that will aid the blessing of your life. You see, God's heart, his father heart, wants nothing more for you and me than to, to bless you and to give you a good life. I'm a dad. I want my kids to do really well. I want my kids and my grandkids one day to do better than me. I want them to exceed and go beyond. This is the heart of the father. But it starts with reverencing him, not forgetting about him, but acknowledging him, reverencing him in your life. Well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, the word fear here can actually mean to be, to, to be fearful, to tremble. God is pretty awesome. And he's just, and he's righteous, and he's holy. And when Isaiah stood before the Lord, he said, I saw the Lord, and, and, and he, he cried out, I, I'm here with unclean lips. And, and he cried out, and he fell down to his face. And, and there's, a, there's a fearfulness, and there's an awesomeness about God. But the fear of the Lord speaks of reverence, though, and awe. I remember being in Victoria and going out on the Zambezi River. We, we were there on mission, and we took a couple days at the end to, to go to Victoria Falls. Has anybody ever been to Victoria Falls? It's, it's, a, it's one of the seven wonders of the world. And we did a boat cruise, and I, I thought we were going to go out and do a boat cruise, and, and it would be like we'd be under the falls, you know, like Niagara Falls. You see these pictures of these little boats, and you look up at the falls. But we were actually upriver from the falls, and I didn't know that at first. But when we got there, we got on the boat and, and the one gentleman who was there and he was, he was trying to start the boat with like a lawnmower engine. It was a little unnerving. And we went out into the water. And as we got out into the water, then we could see where the falls were just around the corner. And as we were coming back, the boat was kind of going in and out and the engine kept stopping. I thought, what happens if the engine stops? And we just keep floating down towards Victoria Falls. I mean, the awesomeness, the, 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 fear, the fear of the falls 
gripped my soul. <laughs> and I remember even just later on, just going and just kind of being there with a better view of the falls and seeing the, the water, the magnitude rush off of the cliff and, and the power and, and, and realizing how small and insignificant and how vulnerable I was compared to the power and the rush of this beautiful waterfall. The fear of the Lord then is, is to reverence him. It's also to, the fear of the Lord is a continual awareness of his presence in our lives. That's the fear of the Lord too. God is with you. Uh, God is, as Beth Midler used to sing, God is watching you. <laughs> it always feels like somebody's watching me. Remember that? It's kind of funny. That song came on the radio the other day, and I was just like, somebody feeds somebody's. I'm like, that's true, especially with the internet. You know, I was like, <laughs> got a camera in my face all day long. Big brother's out to look at you and watch you. Anyway, so um, the fear of the Lord. It's, but it's a continual awareness, though, that God, he's with you. He, he is aware. He's evaluating everything you say and do and in your thoughts. It's just the reality. God created you, and he put a tracking system on you. <laughs> He's watching you. He's with you. Every choice you make, everything you do, it matters to him. Thank God for his grace and his love and his kindness when we stumble and fall. But it's this sense of God's with me. David said it like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In other words, God, I can't get away from you. I thank you that you love me. It's the fear of the Lord. Nothing escapes God's attention. Nothing. The fear of the Lord then is, is also it's, it's to hate evil. Because Proverbs 8.13 says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Do you hate evil? I, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech is what the Lord says. Do you hate what he hates? This means as Christ followers, we must not only love what God loves, but we must also align ourselves to hate the things that he hates. And this is not saying that we hate people or people groups. or It's not about hating people or individuals. But there are things, there is evil in this world that grieves the heart of God. Things that he has made very clear in Scripture. The sanctity of life. God, God loves life. And he hates war and murder and abortion. and He hates those things. He loves the people. He loves the moms who are struggling and trying to figure out what to do next. But, but there are things that God hates. And we must align our lives as followers in the fear of the Lord. We can't just say, oh, well, the, the rules have changed. It's 2021. No. God has set up and put in order this world, this universe, in a way for our benefit. And when we move outside of his design. We move outside the fear of the Lord. And we take matters into our own hands. And it's pride and arrogance that keeps us there. It's humility, though, that drives us back to the cross every day. Some of you are tradespeople. If you were to build a home or design a home, you design a kitchen and a bathroom and a bedroom and a garage. It would be foolish for somebody to walk into that home and say, well, I'm just going to now Instead of sleeping in the bedroom, I'm just going to sleep in the garage. I'm going to park my vehicle in the kitchen. Just drive right through the wall. You're breaking God's design by making up your own rules and the way that you want to design your life. 
And God's heart is, he's not mad at you. His heart breaks for you because you lack wisdom and it's the way of the fool and it's folly. He wants you to be wise. And he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom starts with God. Wisdom is from the Lord. See, we must align with God and what's important to him in our lives. It's what the scripture teaches us. You see, when people live in patterns of unconfessed and unrepented sin, they don't fear God. When people harbor a prideful and an unteachable spirit, they don't fear God. When people willfully cheat in their business and they just go on and they they lie, people stay in a pattern of lies and cover-ups, they don't fear God. When people have no concern about cutting corners on taxes, on on other things, they don't fear God. When when people are caught up in a lifestyle of sexual sin, fornication, adultery, perversion, they don't fear God. When they just continue to give their life over to that and they don't give any regard to the cross or what Jesus has done for them. And throughout Israel's history, God's people were always falling back into foolishness, always falling back into rebellion and rebelling from the way that God had called them to live. And God called to the prophet uh, Isaiah to warn God's people of the coming judgment of their sin. And he said, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And this is God's invitation. He says, come, let's sit down. Let's reason together. He's calling us back. You see, because God wants to reason with you. If you are living a life of sin, you are not fearing the Lord. But when you come to a place of repentance, you are coming and he invites you to sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's reason together. I have designed something for you. I have designed life for you. I have designed my way. And it's foolishness to ignore it. It's wisdom to submit to the fear of the Lord and what he calls us to. See, the wages of sin is death. In other words, if you live your life in perpetual sin and you ignore repentance and confession and honesty before God, then you live your life in a way that at the end of the day, the wage or the paycheck will be death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And how many know that we all sin and we all fall and we all fall short and we all stumble. And and, and if we sin, here's the promise in first John, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just and he is so good and he will forgive us of our sins and he will purify us from our unrighteousness. How many are thankful that when we bring our sin to the Lord in humility, He is there to forgive us. Wisdom starts with God. It's the fear of the Lord. And it calls us to a holy lifestyle. Secondly, wisdom is given to us by God. Paul says, I keep on asking. Paul knew that he could ask for wisdom for this church. I keep on asking God give you the, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If any of you lack wisdom, it says in James, that you should ask God who gives graciously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In other words, if you lack wisdom, God is the giver of wisdom. God will give you wisdom, and it says that he will give to all. In other words, you don't have to be a super Christian. God will still give you wisdom. It says he will give to all without finding fault, 
he will give it to you. God's not going to say, well, I'm going to give wisdom to this person and that person and that person. If you come humbly as a child of God and say, God, I don't have it all together. I've been living in foolishness. I've made some mistakes, but I'm humbly coming to you. Will you give me wisdom? He will give you wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom. He will do it for you without finding fault. Wisdom is given to us through God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, it says in Psalm 19, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. The word of God is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Lord is the giver of wisdom. Do you lack wisdom? And Paul is saying, God, give them wisdom. My prayer is give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he's asking God, and he's asking God for them. But friends, the Bible says we can ask God for ourselves. And we are asking God through his word and through his grace and through the power of the spirit that he would give us wisdom and revelation. Solomon had a dream. God showed up in the dream and said, Solomon, you can have whatever you want. You can have a Lamborghini. You can have a house in Maui. You can, you can have whatever. You can have riches. You can have fame. You can have 17 million Instagram followers. What do you want? He says, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And you know that God answered that prayer, but not only did he give him wisdom, he gave him everything else. Because Solomon had a humility about him. Solomon came to that place of humility saying, God, I can't lead these people. I can't do it without your wisdom. And God blessed him with wisdom. And finally, this morning, wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. It's, it starts with God. Wisdom is a gift given to us. But thirdly, wisdom is walking with God. The Bible teaches us that to walk with God is wise. And we can walk a walk of wisdom with the Lord. Look carefully then how you walk and this is the ESV translation of our text this morning. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The invitation by Paul here is that we would walk with the Lord in wisdom. You know, over the past year and a half or so, our world has changed radically. Our way of life that we were once more familiar with was a little more predictable before, has now been replaced with such unpre unpredictability. It's hard to plan. It's hard to think about six months from now. Never mind six months. What about six weeks? What about six days from now? How do we plan? We don't know what's coming. The, the world that we live in is changing so quickly. We're inundated with information, as we discussed a few moments ago. Information is coming at us left, right, and center. Information, some of it's true, some of it's not true, some of it's partially true. It's coming at us from all kinds of directions. We need wisdom. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to figure out how do we live this out. How does the church rise in a culture of confusion? We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And this has led to so much division, hasn't it? 
You know, it's a real crisis, but the enemy is obviously working overtime. Wreaking havoc. It's like he's throwing the kitchen sink at this pandemic. And he's wreaking havoc on our culture. He's, he's up to his old tricks. He's lying. He's using deception. He's, he's all about division. We're such a divided culture, a divided nation, even as we go to the polls. And God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Our nation is more divided now than ever, ever, even in Canada. Do we wear a mask or do we not wear a mask? And what do we think of the people that choose otherwise? Is, is it a lab leak or was it done unpurposely? What about vaccines? Vaccines or no vaccines? And families fight about these things. May it not be. Are they safe? Is it a ploy? Is, it, is there government overreach, do you think? What about our rights and our freedoms as Canadians? Something to think about. What's political? What's medical? All these questions, all this information, all this confusion. The, how do we walk this out? How do, how do we walk this out? But yet the virus is real, friends. We have doctors and nurses in our church that can vouch for that. Doctors and nurses and medical experts and professionals who are in our congregation who are worn out and tired because of the crisis that they see show up in emergency rooms, in hospitals, in testing sites. We've had people in our own church struggle with this pandemic and Ricky and Emmy, you heard their testimonies this summer. I hope you did. God's healing power, healing of COVID. We thank God we're praying for Pastor Cliff. It's real. So what do we do? The enemy has come in to divide. He is working overtime to divide families. Husbands against wives, parents against children, friends. The enemy is working overtime to separate friends, to divide families, to divide this nation, to divide churches. And the enemy will not divide the church because the church will rise. We shall not be divided. We will rise with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We will rise in unity. We will love one another. But friends, we need supernatural wisdom for these days. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon us in a fresh way that we would love, that we would walk in wisdom. We would receive the fear of the Lord. We would walk it out in a way that honors God. That we would know what to do with the onslaught of information. That we would not have to share our opinions so rudely. And if we get information, is it all the information? And there's a place to share our opinion and information. There's a timing to share our opinion and our information. There is a person, the right people, the right place, the right time, and the right way. We need wisdom. And although this is a beautiful country, our very own nation, it's just, it's so divided. We need to pray for Canada. We need to rise as the church. So here's how we know that we are walking in wisdom. James chapter three, I'm just going to leave us with this. But the wisdom from above is first pure. For walking in wisdom, we're approaching things with purity of heart. 
Wisdom is not fighting and arguing and polarizing. As the church, we rise in wisdom with purity of heart. The wisdom from above is pure and it's peaceable. We're not fighting. We're not scrapping. It's gentle. It's open to reason. In other words, maybe I'll just listen to you for a moment. Maybe I'll consider how things are impacting you. It's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And it begins with the fear of the Lord. It's given by God. And we walk this wisdom walk. Paul says, I keep on asking that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know him better. I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray over you this morning, and then we're going to worship. Proverbs 4, chapter 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get, go get it. Get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. This is the call today for the church as we rise. Part of it is us getting that wisdom through the word of God, through the fear of the Lord. Part of it is asking the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart, open the eyes of our understanding that we would know him better, that we would, you see, the more we know him better, the wiser we will walk. We get tripped up in our own folly, in our own flesh. And we've all made mistakes and we've all lacked wisdom and discernment at times. But as the church rises, I'm believing and we're going to line our hearts around this prayer from this song. God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. If that's your heart and your desire today, whether it be personally in your life or for a situation you're dealing with at work or in your family or, or whatever it may be, you need wisdom in your finances, in your career, with your children, with your grandchildren, with, with, with your friendship group. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. Would you just raise out your hands to the Lord? I would just invite you just to, just to, like a child, just open your heart and your life and say, God, give me wisdom. And even in this place, if there's been unrepented sin in your life, you haven't brought your sin to the Lord. You've been living. You've been hiding it under the surface. You've been, you've been just not dealing with things. You're, you're moving down a path of folly. And the Lord is just gently yet strongly calling you to his heart today. And he's saying, just come, let us reason together. Let me forgive your sin. Let me heal you. Let me help you. Let me give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know me more. And some of you today, you've never received Jesus in your life. Today, as you just call out to him, you can find him. He is wisdom. So Father, we thank you today. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon this church. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God our praise again this morning. We're going to worship one more time. Here we go. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.